You are listening to Andover Airwaves, which is produced by Andover Public Schools in Andover, Kansas. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Andover Airwaves, our podcast about all things Andover Public Schools. I'm your host, Terry Rombeck. The homework struggle, my fellow parents, is real, or at least it can be. In some homes, getting children to sit down and work on homework certainly can be a challenge, but it doesn't have to be that way. As we continue our Family Talk series, our family engagement consultant, Alicia Rich, is offering some practical strategies and tips for how you can help your child with homework. And in a few minutes, we'll be joined by two teachers and a counselor to offer their tips for students of all ages. First of all, Alicia, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me back. So it can't just be my home, right? My family, like other people have these struggles as well? (laughs) Yes, I think so. I think the topic of homework or that extra learning time when you're done with school can be a bit of a challenge for lots of families. You're definitely not alone. Makes me feel better, I guess. (laughs) You just uh, wrote for us kind of a top 10 list of, of ideas for how to support your children with their homework. And you can find that resource at usd385.org slash family talk. Uh, walk us through a handful of those steps and, and what's the overall theme there and, and why are those important? Absolutely. So the idea behind writing the list was to think of kind of my top 10 ideas for having success with homework or learning at home. And I tried to think from the perspective of myself as a parent of kids of lots of different ages. So really hitting, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what age your child is as you're reading this list, they can, the ideas can be helpful there. Um, so as far as theme, I think it's it's just an overall, how do I as a parent best engage my child in extra practice that they need to be doing? Maybe that's doing, you know, 20 minutes of reading or practicing math facts. Maybe it is a specifically assigned task from the teacher. Uh, maybe it's a project from school they're working on, or maybe it's just real life learning that needs to happen, helping you cook dinner or working on something um, money-wise that, you know, is an everyday life skill that you're wanting to help them with. So it really runs the gamut. And I'll pick out just a couple, I think, of the most important ones to highlight. The first on the list was to prep a space. Um, Even if your child doesn't necessarily have homework every night, I think it's important for there to be a space in your home where he or she knows they can go to work, to read, to have that focused learning time. And you want to make sure that that space is free of distractions. Um, And, you know, we've got five kids at home and it looks different for all of them. I have one child who needs an absolutely silent room, door closed, nobody else in it, or else his mind is a million different places. I have another one who studies best when she has some music on. And so, you know, that free of distraction space might look different depending on what's best for your child, but you know them best, right? And you know what they're going to need to be able to be focused. And then very simply, you just want to make sure that the proper materials are there, right? Do they have some sharpened pencils? Is there some paper? Are they going to need a calculator or a ruler or things like that? Just having those basic school supplies on hand at home is always helpful. And then another tip that I think is really important, it it kind of encompasses a couple of them, but how as a parent do I help and support and not do the work for them or totally ignore them and let them fail? So what does that balance look like? 
And it hits a couple. So checking in or getting started, I always say, go ahead and help them get set up, right? Um, make sure they have the materials that they need. Make sure they know what the assignment is, especially for the younger kids. Can they articulate what they're working on? But then if it's appropriate, you want to step away and you want to really let the child be accountable and have that autonomy over completing the task. And then you want to check in. So, you know, things like, hey, how's it going? Do you have any questions for me? Is there any way I can support you? Or something as simple as tell me what you're working on and just see what they're able to give you. If they're understanding what they're reading and you ask a question like, tell me what your book's about or, what, you know, what's what was good about it today? They're like, oh, well, uh, it might mean they don't understand what they're reading, right? So just some of those simple check-ins are good throughout the process. And then following up when they're done again, especially for the younger students or some of our older students that maybe forget to put it in their backpack or to click turn in on Google Classroom or, you know, whatever that might look like. Just following up, hey, did you get your assignment turned in or is it ready to turn in tomorrow? Is your book back in your bag so that it can get to school with you in the morning? Those types of questions I think are important. And then lastly, I mentioned celebrating. You know, we don't want homework or learning to be monotonous. We don't want it to be something that our kids are dreading and especially you know reading every night and getting into the routine of being a reader in life that always comes to mind reading we don't ever want it to be a punishment we want them to enjoy it so how can you celebrate their achievements and what they're doing did they read a book that had more pages than they've ever read before let's celebrate that and um, or are they completing a math assignment that last week they needed you to sit with them and work through every problem, but tonight they only needed help on half of it? Celebrate that and, that and notice that progress. And that just means, you know, as you're checking in, keeping track of what they're doing so that you can point out the really great progress they're making. It gets back a little bit, I think, to the last conversation we had about habits, routines, that sort of thing. Those are all tied in together pretty closely then. Absolutely. And I think setting up those habits and routines for homework specifically help to make it a much more successful process. So what does success look at the end of the night when we're ready for bed and everybody's got their work done? I mean, what 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 does that process look like when it's when it's gone well? Yeah. Gosh, I mean, I can speak personally. I think that would look like there haven't been a lot of tears, <laughs> you know, um, and in learning from. So I was a classroom teacher for a long time. I always told kids, you know, you can do hard things. You want things to be a challenge. And I think that's true with homework as well. If your child's doing an assignment and they don't have to think twice about any of it, they know it all, that was probably too easy, right? And, and that's okay. That's going to happen sometimes. But if they're struggling through every single task on the assignment and they're at that frustration level, we as parents know where our child's frustration level is, right? Right then that's probably not a good place to be in. We want to loop in the teacher to do some problem solving, have some conversations with our kids. So in my mind, an ideal night of learning would be you know, they were working on an assignment, or a project, they were reading a book, and there was some challenge. They had those moments where they thought like, oh, I don't know, this feels hard. And then they were able to overcome those and feel good about the work that they did. Good tips. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, Alicia's going to talk with three educators about their top tips for completing homework. We'll be right back. Alicia Rich, back with some Andover educators to have a conversation about homework and learning at home. So to start off, I would love for each of you to just introduce yourselves, tell everybody what building you're at and what your role is. I'm Sarah Wilborn, and I teach study skills and USOL at Andover Central High School. And I'm Amber Fetters, and I am the school counselor at Andover Middle School. I am Toby Wallace. I teach fifth grade at Wheatland Elementary. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here this afternoon. I'm really excited to hear 
your perspectives. So we'll jump right in. My first question for you is, from your perspective, why is continuing that learning at home important for children, whether it's with a set homework assignment or just more general learning experiences? Why does that matter outside of school? Toby, do you want to start? Sure. So first of all, I think just continuing, like we do a lot at school, but I think that that extra time that they can spend at home just helps develop one study habits and also reinforces what we're doing at school. Uh, whether it's just the normal homework that I sent home or some of my kids need practice with their multiplication skills or just more practice with their reading skills at home too. And those are all beneficial. Okay. And I love the idea that you mentioned study skills, that sometimes the assignment might truly be an opportunity for them to practice studying and just get in the routine of having that work to do. I think that was a great point. Yeah, especially with fifth grade, like they're not quite middle school yet, but they're still learning those study skills and study habits that are going to be really important for them when they get to middle school. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Amber, what do you think? Sure. Um, so the continuous learning aspect when it comes to the middle school level and really all levels, um, the way I see it is more of a partnership. It helps, it helps build that bridge between home and school. So it's seen as a unified um, team rather than just school is school and home is home. So I like, you know, when things spill over from school to home, it, it helps build that partnership between the two um, so that they can see that as we're working together as one team for the student, not that we're separate entities. So um, continuous learning could look like actual homework assignments, you know, through Google Classroom um, or Big Ideas Math, but also, you know, if there aren't specific homework assignments, um, the continuous learning can always happen just by opening a book. Uh, I did teach seventh grade language arts for several years before I stepped into the counseling office. Um, and I do understand and we recognize the importance of just reading. So if you wanna be a better reader, you've simply got to read. So even if your kiddos aren't bringing home specific assignments uh, to do in the evening, which oftentimes they may not, you know, other than math at the middle school level, uh, really, continuing to instill that 20 minutes of reading a night that I know is um, really talked about at the elementary school. Carrying that through the middle school level um, is super important as well because we know that 20 minutes of reading a night exposes our kiddos to so much more vocabulary um, and builds their communication skills. So that's a continuous learning piece too with the reading, um, but also just uh, again, um, making that connection between school and home and, and seen as a team rather than, than two separate places. Yeah, that's great. And as a parent, I love the opportunity to see what my kids are working on at school. When you mentioned that partnership piece, just getting a chance to put my eyes on something mm -hmm. because, you know, um, I mentioned talking to Terry earlier, my We've got five kids. They're all very different. I have one that's going to come home and tell me every moment of her day from the start to the finish, everything everybody did, every answer to every question. And I have others who, you know, the day was fine. Mm -hmm. They learned some stuff. And that's as much as I'm going to get unless I ask some specific questions. Mm -hmm. And so having, even if it is a book they're reading, having something to guide that conversation with them, I think is really valuable. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Sarah, what do you think? Um, well, I think as, especially in the high school, and I agree that it has to be a partnership, um, that students should be learning how to set routines. And from the time that they get out of school at three and they go to bed, there are a lot of hours in the day. Mm -hmm. And you can waste those hours away or you can continue to make it a fun roller coaster, I guess, where you have um, routines, um, you're 
getting exercise, you're having some fun, you're doing something creative that you enjoy, but you still need to throw in a little bit of that reading and and just find a little bit of joy in learning. So even if they're all done with their homework, there's always a preview and a review of coursework that they can be working on. And that's just basically um, what students need to be doing every day anyways in each of their classes is looking at what they've already covered, reviewing and really getting to know that vocabulary. And and the more they know, then they're gonna sit in class and, and understand what the teacher is talking about. And then they're going to feel good about what they're learning and they're going to enjoy it more. And so it's going to snowball into hopefully later in life where they're not required to study or read, but they know that there is um, value in it and they enjoy it. Yeah, and my favorite thing you said was that joy of learning, right? If they can learn to enjoy and feel something positive from the work that they're doing, then they're gonna wanna do more of that, right? Yes. Um, And I think part of what's hard to get past as a student is you think maybe you're practicing bleeding and that it's something that you have to do. And that's where it kind of sounds funny that you're saying you really want to enjoy this process of learning when learning and thinking is a really hard thing for the brain to do. Um, So it's not like we're saying as soon as you get home, you've got three hours of hardcore brain work. Mm. Uh, You know, you do have to have that balance. And that's, um, I think that that is where the routine comes in. Like everybody's different. You have to come home. Some people want to get it all done right then and there. And some people are like, I've got to take a couple hours and take a break, but they have to figure that out and what works for them. Absolutely. And if we can start that at the elementary level, like Toby mentioned, building those study skills, figuring out what what works for each of your children, then by the time they get to the high school level, hopefully they can be more autonomous, right, about how they spend their time, especially if they're coming home to a house where there aren't parents. They can be in that routine. I'm going to go exercise for a while. I'm going to get a snack and then I'm going to get my work done or whatever that might look like for them. And each child really is different with that. I love that you brought that up. Um, I feel like that flows really well into our next question. So I would love to hear from each of you some advice that you would give to parents or caregivers who might be working with um, children while they're doing their homework about how much help, how much support should we give as families versus how much do we just let the kids do on their own? And I know that does vary by age, right? And and maturity a bit, child to child. But in general, um, what would you say as educators is your best advice there? So like, first of all, I know like there's some parents that don't get home until later in the evening and maybe their kids get home after school and they're asking their kids to do that homework before they get home because then the kid may be going to basketball practice or club mm-hmm. swim or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's balanced and what Sarah mentioned, having that routine is really difficult at times. And as a parent, being able to check in on your kid, you may not be able to do that till eight o'clock at night. Um, my suggestion would be like, if the kid just ask them, say, hey, did you have any issues with homework tonight? And if they say no, maybe at the beginning of the year, go ahead and check that homework. Maybe even after they've gone to bed, just take five minutes to go over that to see if you see any, any issues with it. And then build a trust with your child, like, so they will let you know when they need help. And I think that's really important that you build that trust so that when they do need help, they can come to you and ask for help when they do need it. Yeah. That's great. And a really important point that your support doesn't have to always be immediate, 
and maybe can't be immediate, but it doesn't mean it's impossible to, to still support them. Thank Agreed. you. Yeah, and I would just say, um, man, if we have parents and care caregivers wanting to help their students with schoolwork, I am all for it. You know, short of doing the work for them, yes, sit down together at your table, take some time. Um, you know, instead of asking the question, do you have any homework tonight? You ask the question, what do you have for homework tonight? Um, typically at the middle school level, I mean, we don't necessarily just assign homework to go home as homework. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our classes and our teachers will start the assignment in class. And so you'll hear them say, you know, if you use your class time wisely, you should be able to get most of your work done during the school day. Um, and then what isn't finished during the school day can go home for homework. So, I mean, with your, you're looking at the middle school level, I would say it's reasonable for your middle school students to have anywhere from about 30 minutes to 60 minutes of homework a night. Um, and I will say, when you ask that question, what do you have for homework? Uh, you're gonna probably typically get the answer, math. Uh, at the middle school level, and I think sixth grade on, I'm, I'm speaking as a parent myself now too, who have a couple in high school, um, you will typically have math homework most nights. Uh, your, your kid might be being honest with you and say, hey, I finished everything else, that's great. Um, but you can expect probably to, to see math homework coming home most nights, middle school on. Um, and then again, if there isn't any homework, hey, let's, let's talk about that book or sit down and read together a little bit. But um, as far as parents wanting to help their kids, I think that is just awesome. Um, so help as much as you can, you know, um, talk about, use that time to talk about your experiences as a student. Um, because, you know, you're building so much more than just homework during that time. You're, you're, you're making that family connection. You're building those relationships. You're earning trust with your student and between you and your student, as Toby mentioned. Um, and so that, that time is just, just precious time beyond the homework time. Absolutely. So. That does bring up a side question that I would have. For, for parents, and I think we've probably all been in this boat of what happens when we don't know the answer to the question that they're asking us, mm -hmm. or we are not sure that we remember the math that they're doing. Because um, you know, every once in a while there's some math that I feel like I haven't done as an adult <laughs> in a little bit. So, you know, just an encouragement to parents, I think that we don't have to, as parents, have the answers, but we need to be able to support them in finding that out. Um, and I guess I'm thinking probably mostly middle school and high school levels. Do you feel like there's good resources for parents that are readily available that they could go, you know, get online, look for something, um, that kind of thing, if they're not sure? Yeah, I would say definitely. I know that I've kind of gone through some math lessons myself again, just brushing up on my math skills, helping my kids. And then I always recruit my oldest daughter, who's kind of a math genius. Um, hey, come come help little sister out. Yeah. So that's always handy when you have that kind of the built-in system in, in the house. Um, but yeah, there are definitely resources out there. Um, and parents can be students, you know, lifelong learning. That's something too that, you know, that that bridge between home and school, we want to show that we as adults too are lifelong learners. So absolutely. And that ties back to what you had mentioned earlier, Sarah, as well. Toby, did you want to kick in? Yeah, I just want to first? say as my daughter's as a parent also at this point. So I have a daughter that's a freshman and she's building those relationships with other students now so that at night, if she's struggling on something, she's reaching out to her friends that are in her class. And they're not like just telling answers because it's important that they learn how to do it. And they know that at that mm -hmm. point, they just can't write down an answer because when it comes to test taking time, it's not going to go well. So if, when they can build those relationships and collaborate with other students, it is very beneficial. 
That's great. I love that. And that ties right over to high school. Sarah, what advice would you give? Um, yes, I would say definitely by the time you're in high school, um, the students should be separating and being able to get the information and have those conversations with their teachers and at least have their notes and be able to follow along. And mm -hmm. if they have continued homework to be able to do that. But as a parent, um, I think one of the most important things is going, like if you come home, preparing yourself to be positive and know mm -hmm. that that question may be asked, could you help me with my homework? Um, just to be open to learning new things because like you said, even in the math, there are different ways that are being presented on how to do different math that um, for as a parent for me that I never learned. So it's kind of interesting to be the, the student and my child telling me, well, this is how you do this. Oh, and then all of a sudden, that's exactly how it should be. I should be asking them so that they are the teacher and that's how they're going to learn. Yes. Um, and so then it's not, oh yeah, this is how you do it. And that's not a good way because it's not the way I learned it but to be open to new learning, to go in with um, you know, the calm respect that you want to model for your child. And um, just, you guys had been talking earlier about how um, to model how to look something mm. up. So if you don't know it, it's okay. And you can say, oh man, we can do this. Let's look at YouTube or whatever the resource is and and they can see how you react to not knowing something and work through yes. it and they learn from you that way yes i can think back to my years in the classroom and i feel like i would often have parents in front of their kids say things like oh well, i was never good at math or math is always so hard for me and so i think your point is so important that we need to be modeling those positive strategies for learning and maybe math was really hard for me as a parent, but I probably don't want to tell my child that because then that becomes an excuse for my child of why math then is going to be hard for her. And instead, you know, I'm not sure where can we find that out? Or has your teacher given you any suggestions about where you could look? I love the idea, especially for high schoolers of start to turn to your peers, because that's a great model. That's what we do as adults, right? When I was in the classroom and I was struggling, I went next door to my colleague and I asked the question, doctors consult with each other all the time. That's just a part of life. So I love that. Um, so turning gears to maybe when things aren't really great at home, um, what should a parent do when their child has reached that frustration point? Terry and I were discussing earlier, like, what does a successful night of, of homework look like? And I was saying, you know, there should be some challenge. It shouldn't be so simple that they don't even have to put any, you know, brain energy into what they're doing, but they also shouldn't be hitting that wall of frustration either. And as parents, we know where that is for our kids. So finding that balance, right? So what what would you say to parents if they're really falling on one of those far ends of the spectrum? Homework is just way too easy. They're not having to put forth any effort. Maybe the books that are coming home from the library are just way below what you know they can read. Or on the other end, when it's just such a challenge, you know, there's tears, there's yelling, there's the frustration, whatever that might look like. As, as teachers, as a counselor too, I, I love that perspective what do we do? What do parents do when that's the experience at home? Um, how do we talk to the teachers about it? Or should the kids be the ones talking to the teachers about it? What does that look like? What do you guys want to hear from families when we kind of hit those ends? 
I think the first step would be have the child email the teacher. Okay. In my opinion, I mean, I, that's just teaching that child responsibility if things are going hard. Have them reach out to that teacher first and say, hey, I'm struggling tonight. Can I come meet with you tomorrow morning? Can we talk at the beginning of class? Something along those lines. Um, if that continues after the child has emailed teacher, then in, as the parent in the family, I would then email the teacher and say, hey, can we set up a time? We'd like to come in and talk to you about how this is going for my kid. Okay. So from the elementary perspective, at what age do you, and I know this is going to vary a little bit with personal opinion, but at what age do you feel like it's appropriate for the child to be that kind of first line contact with the teacher versus the parent? That's so a tough I've question, taught, I know. I just recently started teaching fifth grade. I was third grade before okay. that. Um, so third grade, kids are becoming more responsible. I think that it's even appropriate at that point. Now, they, the kid won't be able to send that email because they don't have their Chromebooks at home anymore. But to come in and just say, hey, I'm struggling. You know, can I have some mm -hmm. help with this? Um, also in third grade, if the parent did it as well, I'd be okay with that. But especially by the time they got to fifth or sixth grade, I think that child first contact is very important. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I... I feel the same. I taught third grade for a few years, and I feel like that's a great age to start to release some of that responsibility. Um, I would suggest parents have a conversation at home with their child. Okay, tonight didn't go well with our reading assignment. What can you say to Mr. Wallace when you go into school tomorrow? Um, how can you ask him for help? Maybe, uh, you know, like role play what that conversation could look like um, just to give them starting to, to give them that scaffolding, right, to be able to have some of those tough conversations. But I think that's great advice. Amber, what do you think? Well, I guess I would say that when you're in the moment at home and you've hit that wall of frustration, um, I think it's important to know that it's okay to get up and walk away. You know, um, it's okay to get up and take a break. It's okay to validate their frustration. Dude, I know, man, the, I, you see, I can see you're very frustrated right now. This is hard stuff. You're doing hard things, right? So um, you validate, hey, let's go take a break. Let's walk away from it for a little bit. Um, and then you can always come back to it again later when you're in a kind of a better state. But um, I guess I would say too, um, as far as advocating for oneself, I know at the middle school level, that's so important to us that we, we, allow, we give our students and sometimes our sixth grade babies, I know parents, it's hard. Um, it's hard when they come to us uh, for the first year middle school to, to let go and let them advocate for themselves, but they really are building so many more skills and tools when, um, you know, you can even model with them at home what that conversation might sound like, what that would, um, how that might go. You might help them, um, you know, make uh, write an email the first time you know they if they've never done it they don't know what to say these are Great these idea. are skills that sometimes we assume but they actually need to be explicitly taught so use those as times where you can can build some of those new skills and tools and, and encourage that student to reach out to the teacher um, first and then of course we as as um, educators and counselors, we are always welcome to, again, bring in um, parents from home. And we want the student to see us as a team, right? Not just us versus them. So we are a team together supporting you. Um, and we always invite parents to reach out as well. Absolutely. Good. Sarah, what about the high school level? Um, well, I think at the high school level, for sure, by then, the students really do need to be able to write a proper email that's respectful and asking for help. Ask, coming before after school, the teachers are there at least 30 minutes before and after, but mostly more than that. <laughs> um, and then we have the seminar time, which is specifically 
built in so that they can have short lessons and then get a pass to go to a teacher that they may need more help with okay. or um, additional information um, if they miss the class. Um, so I think that probably utilizing all of those, I know that sometimes students haven't learned those lessons and then they get to high school and they don't have, they haven't been taught. Um, it's hard be to say you, need to go talk to your teacher and be respectful and just let them know because I feel at that point, if they haven't done that before, they probably feel like they should know. Yeah, and then they don't point. want to put themselves out on the line and say, hey, I need help. And um, that is, that's something that you kind of have to watch for in high school because they really need to learn that before they go out beyond yeah. the walls of high school. And as I'm listening to what you're saying, I'm thinking about children who maybe haven't struggled with anything until they get to high school. And so, it, yeah. it, you know, at first when you start talking, I'm thinking, okay, parents have done it right until this point. And now they're like, no, you're in high school, take care of it. But, but there are probably lots of students who hit that tough course, hit that honors biology, and all of a sudden it looks different than what they've encountered before. And they haven't ever had to reach out to a teacher. So as a parent, how would you best support those kids for at home, what would that conversation look like? Because I think it is different when you're in those high school years. I think as a parent, you probably would know if the student, if your student is struggling because they probably articulate that. If they don't, then you might just ask some questions about these particularly difficult classes mm -hmm. that they're taking. How is that going this year? and just kind of try to see what's really going on. Yeah. Well, if you ever do have troubles, you know it's okay to go in and talk to your teacher and just uh, be okay with that and let them know that it's okay. Yeah. That's great advice, that proactive, having those conversations with kids even before there's a problem, saying, you know, gosh, if this gets to a point this feels too hard, is is there a time that you know of that you could talk to your biology teacher or your math teacher? What does seminar look like? And just asking some of those questions ahead of time. I think that's great. So to wrap up, you guys have shared so much fantastic stuff. Is there any last bit of wisdom or tips you could share with parents? Um, anything else that you want them to know around this topic of homework, continuous learning? I just want to emphasize what Amber said earlier about it being a team. I think that that is, a, is hugely important. Like we are working together. We're here for your kids as teachers. We want you to be there for your kids as adults, as parents. So we, it, it's really important that we work together for the success of your child. Absolutely. Great. Thank you, Toby. Um, I would say there are a lot of resources out there available to you as parents and caregivers here for our students. Um, at the middle school level, we always remind our, our parents to, you know, cross-check some different things like Google Classroom with PowerSchool. Um, ask your student to sit down, you know, if you ask, what do you have for homework? And they say nothing, say, hey, why don't you pull up your Google Classrooms? Parents, you can do that. Sit down with your students side by side, shoulder to shoulder. Have them pull up their Google Classroom. Have them open it. Um, you can see the little turn-in buttons, things that need to be turned mm -hmm. in. You can see things that are marked maybe late. Um, and, you know, cross-check that with what you're seeing in PowerSchool. 
use those resources that we have um, and don't wait until the end of the quarter to do it. You know, it starts now. Um, it's not at the end of the semester, end of the quarter. So um, sit down, maybe have a once a week check-in where you're side by side with your kiddo and they're, they're walking you through their Google Classrooms. You know, now at the middle school level, they have what, seven classes a day. That's a lot, so, um, but it's all right there for you to see. Um, so um, kind of get in their world a little bit and, and get in their, their Google space and, and you will be able to see what assignments are out there and what have been completed. Mm -hmm. Practical question at the middle school level. If I am a parent who doesn't know how to access that, who do I contact? Because like you said, seven different teachers. Do mm -hmm. I contact the counselor or just pick a teacher? Um, well, your, your student will be your first um, go-to person. Your student will be able to sit down and show you all of those things um, in Google Classroom and they know how to access it. Don't So don't let them tell you they don't. They do. Um, they know how to access that just fine. And then if you are needing any additional assistance, Yes, um, you can reach out to your school counselors, um, the teachers, the classroom teachers, and we can get you set up no problem. Perfect, thanks. All right, Sarah, any last bits oh, of wisdom? I would just remind the parents to be, um, to prepare yourself. And in the high school, you can look at the power school and you can know the missing and you can see the grades, but we really want the students to take control of that. And so you're going to have to be very tactical about how you present mm -hmm. it and not be accusing of a missing assignment or a late assignment or any kind of grade that they got that you are questioning. Um, but maybe don't even mention that you looked at power school and just ask them, how is someone, you know, whatever class going? Or I know you've been busy with um, theater are you having enough time to get your assignments in? Ooh, that's a great question. And just start a nice conversation where they can start talking with you and not being um, accused or yelled at about, or not even just accused, you know, maybe not even yelled at, but just feeling like they're, they already know that it's not good, but to have an extra person in their life who they really care about, telling them that is really hard. Oh, that's such important advice. Thank you for sharing that. that it's a bit convicting, just a reminder, because sometimes, you know, you see the message pop up. Yes. I might have had that happen once last year. I'm like, so yes. you got an F on a science test. Wow, okay, you want to talk about that? <laughs> I like the way you approached it much better. Mm -hmm. And just everything you've said, Sarah, has been so proactive, just about beginning those conversations and from a positive standpoint. And as we're dealing with young adults, right? They're, they're soon to be young adults. They're getting ready to, to move out on their own and go to college or get jobs or whatever. And we really are in those last few critical years of preparing them for all of those life skills. So I really appreciate that. Great perspectives. I am so thankful that you took time to talk with us today. And um, I know this has just been so valuable for all of our and of our families. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks You're for welcome. having us. Yep, yep, thank you. That does it for another episode of Andover Airwaves. Thanks for joining us. If you have a topic you'd like to learn about at Andover Public Schools, we encourage you to email us at info at usd385.org. Thanks and have a great day.